Welcome to the Forensic Cop Podcast. Newcastle 1, Liverpool 3. Was that a good sign-off for the season? So it was an exciting sign-off in a lot of ways. I, uh, again, falling behind early made it a bit more of a game in a way. I kind of always had the feeling that we'd be able to put at least one uh, through. So them getting that early goal meant that there was actually, you know, we'd be chasing the game a bit, which would make it a bit more exciting. I agree completely. When I saw the lineup and I saw Minamino, Ox, and Origi up front, I was not looking forward to watching a an enjoyable game simply because with with that front three not to take anything away from them individually but we know that Klopp just attempts to play like for like and I knew that he would attempt to have those front three try to do their best impressions of Mane, Firmino and Mo Salah and we know that that is not possible and I, I just was not looking forward to to an enjoyable game when I saw the lineup and so I think that Newcastle scoring early was the best thing that could have happened because at least it would have forced Klopp's hand to bring on our real front three at the same time at some point during the game. Well I mean to be blunt um, you know we, we love Klopp like every other um, fan of the Reds but I don't know his his burning desire to stick with the format that he has, regardless of personnel he brings on. I just, I mean, you know, Ox is a great player in his own right, but he is not a Mosala. Minamino is not um, a Mane, and Origi is nothing like Firmino. So, I mean, I I get what he's trying to do, but I'm I'm just. I'm getting, I don't know if it's tired or frustrated or just not understanding why he insists on playing the same game no matter who he has. Yeah, and it's it's so obvious to us as the viewer to to see that. And I wonder, because he is an intelligent man, obviously, and he has an extremely qualified coaching staff around him. So I, I'm really curious as to what exactly they're trying to do here, whether it's to train that that system into these players or if there's something else going on that i'm not seeing what one thing i did realize is whenever he has at least two of the our main front three not in the lineup they do a lot of interchanging so they they change their positions a lot more than when we have mane firmino and mosala so for instance to start with i think ox was playing in the firmino role minamino was playing in the sala role and Origi was playing in the Mane role, or maybe the other way around to start with. But throughout the game, I, I, I all of a sudden, you know, we saw Ox on the wing, which is somewhere that you would never see Firmino. We saw Origi play on the left, on the right, sometimes through the center, and then Minamino, poor guy, was just chasing shadows. Um, so I, I don't know if it's he's trying things that are not working, so he's trying other things, or if there's a method to the madness that I'm seeing whenever he, we we don't play with our main front three. But it's, it's just frustrating either way. So let me ask you, do you think the reason that they're interchanging and trying different things is because they're trying to figure out what on earth they should be doing? Because frankly, it did not look like they have any idea. Like there was no flow. There was a serious lack of cohesion. And, you know, like there there is almost an artistic beauty to, you know, Salamane and Firmino. Um but 
with these three, it was a bit of chaos. And I don't know, do you think they're switching around to try to find where they should be and figure out who can do what? So so I don't think that they're doing it on their own. I think they're obeying the 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 manager's instructions. So I'm trying to figure out what Klopp is up to. And and we also know that he's not one for just throwing in players who are not d- doing what what he wants in training. So he always makes comments like, yeah, Origi's training very well or such and such. And he'll also come out and say, Origi's not in rhythm. So that's why you have me seeing it for the last few weeks, right? So obviously they're doing something correct or according to his wishes in training. And that is reflecting on the field, but it, it, it's not working. Or at least it, it doesn't look as pleasant on the eye as when we see the real front three um, in interchanging. So I, I just don't know what he's up to. No, so let's let's be clear. It is not working. Don't take the fact that they tied it because that was a Van Dyke header, which we'll talk about in a second. And the neck and the actual go ahead goal from Origi was simply an individual play with a fantastic shot. Uh, it had nothing to do with the teamwork that Liverpool seems to be, you know, uh, predicated on. They all work together. They all create confusion. This was none of that. Origi's goal was just a straight out, I'm faster than you. I can make you move the wrong way, and then I'll put it where I want it. That was all that goal was. That was not a buildup. That was not a uh, you know, a, a team plan to get him one-on-one or anything like that. That was just circumstance, and the guy did a great, a great job. So I agree with you. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. Um, I, I didn't like it, and I think that... Uh, they would have been switched at the half if they hadn't started getting some momentum towards the end of the first half. That goal by Van Dyke to draw even, I think, helped a lot. But the fact that they seemed a lot more in control of the game by the end of the half meant they got a longer run. Yeah, so I think given the beer bottles that I saw in the dressing room after the Wednesday game with all the celebrations, I'm not surprised that Klopp made as many changes as he did because you can't tell me that all those players celebrated the way they did and recovered enough for a Sunday game. So so I think he already had a plan in mind to play um, or to to give certain fringe players some, some game time and then bring on Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, and Roberto Firmino. Um, I don't think he would have not played them at all in the game, even even though there isn't anything at stake. I, I think he, he would have wanted to give them one last run out in order to be able to score a few more goals. But I think the plan was probably to bring them all all on around the 60-minute or 65-minute mark. But the way the game was going, I think he would have made the change at halftime, um, if not to your point, that we had the equalizer and we were starting to play a little bit better. Um, So Speaking of the beer bottles, to interrupt, Robbo seemed totally hungover, didn't he? And I don't mean hungover like actually hungover, but he seemed like he'd been drinking hard enough that he wasn't his usual self, was he? Yeah, no, he was he was certainly playing within himself, and you could tell he wasn't even attempting a lot of those runs that he he normally does. And uh, I think he was simply he was a victim of if you don't play him, who do you play, right? James Milner was going to start in the midfield, so we didn't have that option. Nico Williams was playing on the right back, so he wasn't be able to jump in. Um, and I think Klopp knows, hey, Robbo, play this game, take it easy, just play a composed game, and. You could kind of see that because that's not his quality. He, he's not a composed player. He he's he's all action, and without that, he's he's just not the same. So crazy question. Any chance that was a punishment? Because I remember when I was playing at a more elite level when I was younger, 
Um, if you showed up drunk, the coach would punish you. Not drunk, but hungover, the coach would punish you. He'd figure out, you know, who was drunk or who had been drinking the night before, and he would give you the role of chasing the ball or something like that just to like pound it into you. So I don't know. Do you think there was any of that or this is no. just okay? I, I don't think there's any of that. I don't, I think this team is disciplined enough to not do anything outside of the management um, rules and regulations. And to be clear, we're not accusing anybody of being drunk. However, I do think that they were given permission to enjoy. And I think Klopp even said they were given permission to enjoy Wednesday night. And these were the ramifications. They had to make some changes. So again, when I say drunk, I don't mean like actually drunk or hungover. I mean, actually drunk over. I mean, uh, sorry, actually hungover. I mean, when you've been partying for two, three days or whatever it's been, uh, you're just, it takes your body a little bit of time. And these guys are, to be clear, peak athletes whose diet is strictly monitored. Calorie intake is strictly monitored. I guarantee you they blew through their calorie intake and what they drank on Wednesday night. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you there. I, I'm just saying that I don't think any of it was a surprise to management. So I don't think it would there'll be any form of punishment, quote unquote, or, oh, you're you're not ready for Sunday's game. I'm going to drop you. I, I, I think it was clear that they were allowed to celebrate and this was the last game of the season. Let's just go and have a good time and then enjoy the, the, the few weeks off. So I, I did have a good time, except for that that first goal. What did you think of the first goal that uh, Newcastle scored? Yeah, so there's a couple things there. The first thing was I liked the foul by Van Dyke. I thought, okay, that's a good professional foul. What I didn't like was he was a little bit too casual to run back. So he 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 did the right thing by um, stopping the the play at the half, but he was a little bit too casual to run back. Nobody covered for him while he was running back into his position, and then nobody stood in front of the ball. In particular, Genie Wanadam picked. I think he had the ball and he just threw it right back to them. He didn't throw it over the head. He didn't try to waste time or to stand in front of it like he always calling for. So th- th- that part was a little bit not not in in um, line with the professionalism that they normally show. I, I was wondering how far away James Milner was because I could see him interrupting that play until everybody was in, in line at the back. So here's the thing. I have said repeatedly, that, and, and we've talked about this before, that I don't like that Liverpool seems to, and I know it's going to sound weird, but has like a respect for the game where they don't do the dark art stuff. Like if you look at what Newcastle was doing and frankly, every other team, when they give up a foul, they kick the ball away, they hold on to it, they walk away with it, whatever it is that they need to do, they don't give that ball back. So Van Dyke kind of dropped it for their guy and started running back and nobody stood in front of him. So I'm well, literally, he wasn't, he wasn't exactly running back. No, he was jogging back, but I'm, I'm literally watching it now and he kind of dropped it back to them. So that shouldn't happen. What you do is you do that one where you throw it up in the air really high to buy yourself an extra five or 10 seconds before the ball comes down. And that's the way every other team plays. And Newcastle did that to us. Yeah, Genie actually comes up and then hands them the ball back. Yeah, I don't I don't blame Van Dyke for that one because his he needs to just get back into position. It's the midfielder who should now be the one trying to waste time or, or even a forward should come back and just stand right in front of the ball. And, and then Genie just gave it right back to them. And so here's my question to you. Do you think that these these players are just being nice? Or do you think that this is somehow an instruction or 
a mantra that, that that's coming from the top where we're just a nice, fair team. And as long as we continue winning trophies, we'll continue to play fair. Um, so I don't know if it's the players. I don't know exactly where it comes from, but this is a... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm watching it over and over and I'm watching Genie like like Van Dyke tosses the ball, Genie catches it and then rolls it back to the guy. And I'm like, I've literally never seen any other team roll the ball back to the opposition. That's right. just not what you do. Or if they do, they stand right in front of it, which yeah. Newcastle did to us several times. So I, I think part of it is we play a fast, free-flowing game that we we... And we are the, the lowest fouling team in the league. So right. our, our whole system is predicated on we don't foul, we keep the game going, everything like that, which is great when we have the ball. We need to be more cognizant of what happens when they have the ball. Yeah, and I think there's, I think there's a, a, a good sportsman-like fair way to do that. So what I would have done and what I usually do when I play, obviously, at a way lower level is... In, in that situation, you just hold on to the ball, you look back and, and check if your team is in position, and then you hand the ball over to the ref or to them, right? It's simple. You, you don't have to pretend to throw the ball too high or too far or stand right. You don't have to do all that stuff. Just hold on to the ball, look, and then tell the ref, hey, I'm just checking to make sure my team's in position. That's it. Just like when you're lining up for a free kick, you're you're checking to make sure everyone's in place, and then you hand them the ball. If the ref says, hand the ball over now, you've, you've already been able to buy your team, like, 10 seconds which is all all that's needed well but let's be honest look at refs so we have seen um cards for time wasting have you ever seen a time wasting yellow card for less than 30 seconds of time wasting i've never seen it like no like someone will get like the the goalie can't decide where he's gonna kick it and like literally between the time the ball went out and the time the guy kicks it is a minute okay he's getting yellow but in this case, we handed it back within like four seconds. Why? I just, I don't understand that. And it's, again, to your point, is it a upper management decision? Is it just the guys are too nice? I don't know, but I think it's part of the whole, we don't foul, we keep the game flowing, and maybe we need to rethink that. Yeah, and there was a situation here where uh, a player was given a yellow for time wasting because it was blatant and inexcusable so well it was the one for newcastle right where the ball had already gone out of bounds and then he kicked it further into the stands no yeah but it wasn't even for that it wasn't for kicking the ball further into stands he kicked the ball further into the stands and then as he was running back i was in my mind i was thinking i hope he he touches that ball right because our our player was i think it was robinson he was going for the ball that's on the stand i I mean on the you know how they they have the little pylon thing yeah, so he he was he was going for the the, the other ball because there's the, you know we, we don't have any ball boys uh, or ball people uh, since <laughs> the restart. Um, so in your defense, Liverpool does use the junior team. They don't just use kids from the neighborhood. They actually have a plan on on returning the balls, and so they are all boys. Okay. So calling them ball boys is not a sexist comment. It is an accurate comment in your defense. Perfect. Okay. Now, let me return to my train of thought. Yeah, yes. so he, he, he got the yellow card for just touching that ball off the pylon. And that there, there, there's no justification for that. So he got a yellow. It wasn't for um, kicking the, the other ball away or, or for spending too much time. Um, you know, like it was immediate. It was time wasting. 
but it, he didn't have to to take a lot of time to to waste that time. It was simply for interfering with a ball that was placed in the event where the other ball is kicked into the stands. Yeah, so I I mean I see that my my just grand thing on on the last point is you know a lot of people have talked about um you know the dark arts in in football and you know pep is considered one of the masters when it comes to that the uh you know uh, the intentional um fouls to break up a play uh, holding the ball to not give them a, a quick free kick um all of that stuff is part of what he does and and so for liverpool to do none of them I wonder if if that's the next evolution. I think Klopp respects the game um, and wants it to stay pure, but I wonder if we're lo- we're in a losing battle on that, and we just need to get with everybody else. I think it's a, it's also a reflection of the, the kind of players that we go for. So nobody can tell me that if that was Robertson or Milner in Genie's position, they would have just tossed the ball back to them. You can't tell me that because they they have that in them. I'm not saying that they're um, unfair players or anything like that. However, they have that competitive edge to where they're willing to go a little bit above and beyond what is deemed to be fair in order to to either waste time or to give your team the advantage. So, so what you're saying is Milner and uh, and Robbo, as the examples that you used, who are uh, from Great Britain, have that edge. So you're taking a shot at the Dutch because Van Dyke and Genie don't. I know you're. I know you're not. I know you're not. I'm just making fun. It just happened to be the two Dutch guys hooking up for that, and they were clearly way too nice. But it's it's across the whole team, and I think you're right. I think Hendo does it a little bit. I think uh, Milner does it all the time. Robbo does it all the time. Those guys are more in that vein, and I think you're right. I think um, the way the team is uh, and the players that they get are fluid players, are beautiful players, are players who don't think let me disrupt first uh their main thought is you know the positive side of the game yeah and, and the other players have it in them so i have i ha- i have seen genie do things like that in games as well it's just that perhaps it's not their first instinct and especially in a nothing game right so let's be clear if this was against man city i i wouldn't be surprised if they actually try to to waste a little bit of time there but I think the game, the league is over. This is a nothing game. They were literally just, it was maybe it's even almost disrespectful to Newcastle. Like, okay, yeah, here's the ball. What are you going to do? Well, Newcastle showed them. So, um, right. but at least, so the next goal, the, uh, the Van Dyke goal, uh, did you think he was trying to loop it into the top like that? Because there wasn't a whole lot of space for him to put it in. Yeah, so I remember we were we we were chatting during the game, and when we scored that goal, I thought this is just poor defending. First of all, how do you allow Van Dyke to get the header off? But second of all, I I thought that the goalie should have been able to anticipate that was the only place that the ball would would go at that pace and position and maybe stand one foot behind. But I I to your point, I think you mentioned that his header could have gone to, into either corner, so the goalie had to stand out a bit. Now to answer your question. I think it was one of those where he he knew that the only way he was going to head that ball was if he if he hit it higher and it wasn't coming very fast so he wouldn't be able to get too much pace on it and it was just one of those where you just put on target and hope for the best. I don't think he he was thinking it wasn't like the Robertson header from a couple of weeks ago where he just looped it right into the top corner with pace. I think Van Dyke was just 
doing one of those, okay, I'm just going to head it on, on, on target and then run back to, to, to my defensive position. But he, he ended up scoring and hey, we'll take it. I mean, so I agree with you. The Robbo goal was an intentional uh, putting power on it, directing it. I mean, he even got a curl on it. So that was absolutely picture perfect, totally intentional. This one, I agree with you. There were uh, two guys standing in front of him. So the, the standard technique is to head it into the ground. That was not going to happen. So he just, he put it up and towards the corner. Um, the fact that it almost grazed the bottom of the crossbar, I think is a, a bit of a, a bit of a lucky break, but like you said, Hey, we'll take it. Uh, anything else stand out for you other than uh, the front three in the first half, not really clicking that well. And the two goals. No, going back to the front three, it took me about 20 minutes. Well, actually besides Genie handing handing them back the ball in the first minute. It took me another twenty minutes to to remember that he was playing, and and even Nabiketa didn't have the best half. And it's it's one thing about our fullbacks, our front three, and maybe Jordan Henderson are really the pivots of, of our team. And it's 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 so interesting how w- when you take away the majority of our front three, it just interrupts our entire flow and. It's as if our midfielders just immediately turn into grafters, and they 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 over focus on holding onto the ball, passing sideways because perhaps they don't trust the the front three enough to give them the ball and 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 run into position to get it back. It, it's so so we just turn into into a different team. So to answer your question, no, nothing else to that. Uh, the one thing that did stand out for me was the Minamino strike. So um, we were talking about how great it is that Keita uh, scored the long ball um, in the last game, I think it was, and that Fabinho clearly has it in his locker too. Uh, seeing Minamino uh, finally showing some life in terms of getting that shot off. I mean, we knew he had it from back in his Red Bull days, but now uh, seeing it, you know, that that's... If he can just figure out whatever it is that's holding him back, he's obviously got a lot of skill and a lot of talent. And I, you know, we've talked about this. Liverpool does the majority of their business inside the box. I'd love to see it varied a bit and switched up to make the defenders have to defend further out too. Yeah, so I remember seeing that play and that was a classic example of what happens when you play your game and you you, you become instinctive. The rest of the game, he was—you could tell—he was running around trying to follow the instructions that he was given by his manager. And as much as you and I are confused, he's probably even more confused as to what exactly is expected of him while on the field. That one play was just him showing us the player that we thought we were buying. Right? He wasn't interested in okay, let me get this ball and pass it to this person to run into that position. No, I'm gonna get the ball. I'm gonna uh, twist, position myself, and take a shot. And I think, as we're seeing with Nabi Keita, the more confidence he has in his role in the team, the more he'll be able to play his natural game. And we saw Nabi Keita score a goal that we've seen him score in the Bundesliga tens of times. And hopefully, with time, next season, Minamino will grow into the role. He'll be more confident in, in himself, and other players will be confident in him, and he'll begin to to take those shots that we know he's able to. Yeah, and uh, so moving into the second half, again, the Origi goal was, um, I don't know, I feel like I've, I've, I've seen that a number of times. But that's the kind of stuff that, that I mean when I say like, we need to be able to show them we're a threat from the outside, because that'll open up the inside. 
And that that goal from Origi basically was you gave him a bit of of daylight because you were defending the box and he made you pay. Yeah, as as much as I I like the fact that Origi has that in him, I think unfortunately that that's the only reason why he plays on the left hand side is because he has that cut in and shot and it works a lot of times. He's he has scored a lot of goals from that position, but he's not a left winger and. The rest of the game, we, we, we've seen so many games where he has a poor game. I think on, on the lead up to, to that goal, he, he misplaced his pass like three times in a row. Simple passes and he just misplaced them because uh, I guess he's, he's just not he's just not being used to the best of his abilities. And with that goal, I think I was, I was happy to, to see that even though he scored, he still came off because... Once we had the front three crumb, uh, come on, onto the field, it changed the entire game and it, it changed the entire team. All of a sudden, we were playing like the Liverpool that we've seen most of this season. Yeah, I mean, the the difference when the real front three came on was... And, and again, I, I mean no offense by the real front three, but I mean, the difference was was just stark. The the flow, um, the creativity, like everything. I, I felt like before that, and even look at look at the the goal from Origi. That was not uh, created in the flow of the game. That was not a team thing. That was Origi, who frankly looked a little bit lost throughout the game. I don't know that he got a lot of passes sent his way, but he didn't look to be within the flow of the game. But again, he's got that in his box, and and that's the super sub, right? The game's not quite going our way. You sub him on for the last twenty minutes, and he might throw you a bit of magic. That's that's what he brings. So, I mean, I like the goal, and then it looked like Mane tried to one up him on his chance. Yeah, and then the Mane goal too. We've seen that so many times before, especially against Arsenal for some reason. He he loves scoring uh, those types of goals to Arsenal, where he just he does that little flick with his with his right foot on on. on the left side and then just runs in and curls the ball past the goalie just i mean again both of them are beautiful and i also again and i come back to those type of chances open up the middle for other people and the other people normally would be mo Salah, but man he can't buy a goal the last few games no and i was i was i was happy to see him happy so i think he's at peace with the fact that it's, it's just not been his month or his last few games I think he's only scored in one game since the restart, if I'm not mistaken. The one that, or, oh, no, he scored two in two games: Crystal Palace and then the one he scored two game, two goals. Um, but realistically, I think I think you saw a change. He, I mean, he hit the post, and then he had that one where he was running in and kind of got caught by the defender, and the ball went out of bounds. And I don't know, it felt like I don't know. Tell me if you got the same impression. It felt like in his head. It just clicked. Something clicked that said, "Yeah, you're not getting the twentieth goal. Just stop trying." Because after that, he became like the master facilitator, and he was creating chances for others that were just spectacular. Right. Exactly. And it it took it took me back to a couple seasons ago where we lost the Champions League final to Real Madrid. That was where we saw the best of of our current front three. And there was one play just before the one you, you called where I think it was Firmino in our half. He flicked it to Mosala and Mosala ran up the wing and he could have found a way to 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 skip past a, a, a last-minute tackle and either have the shot or to square to, to Sadio Mane. 
a couple seasons ago, the, the three of them would have combined in that way, which is why we we still refer to them as the best front three in the world. I don't think that the best, or I don't think that the most cohesive front three, especially this season, they still have great individual stats. However, th- 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 I think because of his desire to 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 score more and to chase the golden boot record, it's it it, it, it interrupted their flow. And it wasn't until after, like you said, he decided, okay, I'm not winning the Golden Boot. The three of them just reverted back to being a a great front three that is always looking for each other. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like we do have to think about the fact that, you know, Liverpool had a great year. There's no denying. But Man City uh, ran away with the total goals. I I believe that that, uh, they actually did manage to get uh, over 100 goals again this season. And so... Um, so Liverpool's not scoring at the rate that they are. So, so this season we had 84 goals and they had over a hundred. Right. Um, so we need to legitimately think about why aren't we scoring as much? Because I genuinely think our front three are better than theirs. But to your point, I don't think Salah has looked, uh, cohesive, um, or rather, I don't think the cohesion has been there. And I think Salah's desire is part of the problem which again when you become an elite player when you've won the golden boot two years running um you're setting records i can understand that the ego and the desire are there and on a lot of teams he would be the guy who would be looked at for the goals but it just doesn't work that way for liverpool so i hope the end of the game showed him or maybe i hope klopp you know when the season starts next year pulls him into the room and says hey look at this and see how good this was and so I hope he remembers what he brought before. Yeah, I, I, I put a lot of this on Klopp um, because I think that a couple of games ago was the right time to give Mosala a break. But he Klopp was also buying into the narrative of, of Mosala going for a three-peat of, of, of the top scorer. And we just we just kept trying trying to set him up to score or to allow him to just to, to be aggressive and play in the selfish manner that he has been playing and 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 i think that they he does have to have a serious conversation with mo Salah going into next season and you can kind of see where sadio mani's frustration came from earlier on in the season where he just lost it with mo Salah. and he, he he said himself that it's because if we're chasing a league and it comes down to goals um we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing for the team so i think klopp really has to have a, a serious conversation and and ensure that that this doesn't happen again so i agree with you i i remember i think it was a couple games ago where salah had like two or three just golden chances it didn't score on them and that was when klopp should have said you know what you're not on like you you i've given you the game time you've gotten the chances and you haven't put them away you not getting the golden boots on you it's not about the team anymore so I feel like he should have taken care of this um, a while, a, a couple games ago and just said, the Golden Boot race is over. You had your chance. We're done with it. Um, I hope next year looks different. But then again, it may just be the time for this front three that they've done all they can together. I, I don't know. I hope not. Who knows what will come next year. Um, uh, any other uh, golden thoughts? One that one that did amuse me uh, significantly, I don't even remember exactly when it was, I didn't write it down, was uh, I did see James Milner trying to do a step over on the ball to get around a guy to actually deke someone, and I don't think I've seen him do that the whole season. Yeah, he does have this 
amazing ability to slow motion him, himself into, <laughs> into being able to pass the player. And, like, and it tends to work a lot. And and you you even said it right. It was like it was like when they showed the move on slow mo. It was like slow mo. Like I'm like, how much did they slow this down? But it's just he does it so slowly. And I think the funny part is other players are expecting a quick move, right? Like you look at Origi, you look at Salah uh, trying to do that, and they're or Mani trying to do that, and they're legitimately doing it very quickly so you have to react quickly so i think he gets guys to overcommit on that but watching him do it was just hilarious i loved it i'll, I'll have to go back to the archives because i remember when he came on uh, well he started at leeds and then he went to newcastle he I, I i remember him as a speedy winger so i don't know if i if, if it's just revisionist history in my in my head or if something happened and he suddenly slowed down because i remember him being very quick well he did get old so that tends to slow you down a bit. But he's he's been like this ever since he was in Man City. So I, I'm not sure where he slowed down and turned into this midfield grafter all of a sudden. Anyway, but that's that's a, a topic for another day. Okay, what do so, you think of Roberto Firmino? Uh, so Firmino had a beautiful um, couple passes, and he had a really good chance fed by Salah. I'm, I'm just – I don't know what's going on with him. I find like – He's not as involved as he used to be, or he's not as magical as he used to be. Um, but still, there's quality there, and you can see it. I just I don't know if he's in a slump, if he's uh, not interested. I, I'm just not sure. So I, I I I think that Klopp may know that he's he's a confidence player, and he's the kind of player that if you bring in another player to compete with him in that position it may impact his productivity right and and so because of that i think that we're trying to find internal solutions to to see how we can rest him occasionally however nobody else plays the game the way he does and so which, which again comes back to when he's being rested klopp needs to change the system change, change the system exactly so so i think he he's actually probably the conundrum that needs to be solved um, next season and the season beyond that. I, I'm not saying that we need to sell him or replace him, but Mane Salah, I, I, I think I'm comfortable replacing them every other game with even, even Origi, Origi or Minamino or Ox or Elliot or Jones or um, Shaq, if he's still around, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more okay with that. But it's what we do with the number nine position. I think that's really challenging because if Klopp agreed to change the system, then we bring in Origi as a number nine, easy. But nobody else can play the false nine the way Roberto Firmino does. And if Klopp goes to find another player in the world who's able to do that, I think that might impact the mentality of Roberto Firmino because he is a confidence player and I think he 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 needs to know that his his position is secure in the team but we have to accept that when he's off he's he's like on the beach yeah I mean he he didn't look super engaged there was a a nice play the one where uh, Salah got it up the side or not up the side kind of slightly up the middle um and it was a nice play because it was Keita who had great uh, vision to get it to uh, just on the bounce to Firmino, who then quickly played it up to Salah. So it was two guys who clearly understand the game and are very good at creating chances, um, you know, uh, linking up, and I enjoyed it. But I agree with you. I think something needs to give with Firmino. I, I don't know what it is. Um, I don't think you can just find someone to replace him. I think you need to 
change it up a little bit when he's not on his game. Um, but either way, the other thing that I did notice was I liked Keda. Um, he actually played more than 60 minutes today. He played 80 something. So that was a nice thing to see. Hopefully we can go into next season and he doesn't have a, uh, a, a maximum limit in terms of uh, how many minutes he can play. Cause that was my worry. He's only played 60 minutes since the restart. And so uh, today he played 85. So it was nice to see. Yeah. I, I, I think that this entire restart period has been almost like a mini preseason for Klopp. So I think he's 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 easing Nabiketa with next season in mind. So they come back in two to three weeks, they'll have preseason for a couple of weeks, and then the season starts again September twelfth. So so I think he has a long term um or next season plan with Keita already in play. Yeah, I mean I think this was um in in a way, I'm glad that we uh, lost um, the uh, the Champions League and we were out of the cups and we weren't going for the point total because it gave Klopp time to play other guys and give them opportunities and see what they are when and aren't and give them time to get that experience. So again, a guy like Curtis Jones, I, I can't imagine he would have played as much as he had um, if we hadn't been in like if we had been chasing the hundred points, if we'd been uh, chasing, uh, you know, maybe trying to prepare for uh, the the Champions League, he might not have gotten as much play. It might have been more of the first team going more and more for repetitions. So in a way, it was good. Uh, overall, for last words, man of the match, who's your thought? I'm going to go with James Milner, not because I thought he played the best, but he he didn't put a foot wrong. Uh, he just put a foot in slow motion a few times, but <laughs> he didn't put a foot wrong and nobody really stood out. And so I'll give it to him. Yeah, I uh, I asked you the question, even though I haven't actually thought about it. I don't know who did stand out. I was going to maybe say Keita. He made a few nice plays, but he wasn't his usual electric self. Yeah, uh, um, which is a good thing. He, 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 he now has a high standard, which is which is great. He's he's set a fabulously high standard. My my more I'm excited for him about the fact that he played 85 minutes, so that was good. Um, I don't know. There there wasn't anyone in particular who stood out. It was uh, a bit of a low energy game for everyone, and kind of shows the quality on Liverpool that we managed to uh, win a game three one when I don't really think a lot of people were really um, you know on their game today. So. You know what, uh I will put in a word for Joe Gomez, except for one play where he accidentally passed it to um, the Newcastle player. I thought he was quite aggressive, and he covered for Van Dyke a few times. So, and I, Van Dyke did cover for him a couple times that I noticed. That partnership actually looked pretty good today. Right. So I'll I'll take it away from Van Dyke and give it to Joe Gomez because I'll blame Van Dyke partially for the goal, even though technically it's Genie's fault. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I can I can buy Gomez as the man of the match. I don't think he did much wrong today. He covered a lot of ground and he played quite well. And I was also happy to see Nico Williams have the game that he had because I think it's, a, it's important for him to not have all good games because he, he's a young player. He needs to learn and he made quite a few mistakes today. He was a little bit um, rash and overly aggressive jumping into tackles trying to to dribble through instead of um being a little bit more contained so 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 i thought it was a great learning experience i'm hoping that it's only cramp or 
Yeah, and and the nice part that I also enjoyed about him was that he played again to eighty five minutes. He didn't play just sixty minutes. He had basically a full game until he started cramping. He he now has an actual understanding of what a full EPL game is. I mean, five minutes short, but still. So it's it's great in the experience. He'll have that for next year, um, and it's you know it, it's exciting to have these young guys who look like they're on the verge of being ready to join the first team. For more stories, analysis, and articles, go to the forensicop.com website. <laughs>